covenant that he keeps with his people. The benefit of the covenant is healing, strength, prosperity, blessing, favor, help. That's the blessing and the benefit of the covenant. And God can never break his covenant. So if those things are not experienced in our life, we have breached the covenant. We're the only ones that can break the contract and the covenant that would stop the blessings of God. This is what makes it so hard for people coming to church and trying to believe by faith that God really cares. His word is never changing. And if he makes a covenant with you and I, he never changes that covenant. The error or the fallout is when I break the covenant. And then those things of heaven are withheld. But I know enough about living for God and the people I'm talking to today that you have benefited greatly from living for Him and seeing the blessings of the covenant. Is there anybody here today when you were sick, He healed your body? That's the covenant. Anybody here that you were a little strapped financially and God made a way where there was no way? That's the blessing of the covenant. Hey, it pays to live for God. He takes care of His kids better than any government could ever take care of His kids. That's a good God. I feel the goodness of God in this place today. Wanting to help somebody realize. You know, I've even prayed the prayer, Lord, if, if I'm like Paul and I got scales on my eyes, knock me to the ground. Maybe you don't pray that. You like, like where you are. But I just knock the fire out of me, Lord, if I'm that goofy. Let me see what you're wanting me to see. I don't want to fight all this stuff in life and get to the end of it and go, it didn't have to be this hard. It could have been a whole lot easier if I'd have just gave in and let my pride go and what people think about me and say, I'm here for one reason. I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to please no organization. I'm here to please J-E-S-U-S. And if he's pleased, that's all that matters. remember those that are in the hospital Brother Fontenot didn't tell all the details I, 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 he didn't feel probably liberty but I'm going to tell you Brother Carlton or Carlton Brother Clifton Bushnell too many C's and too many B's Brother Clifton Bushnell did have a heart attack and uh, they got him to the hospital in time and uh, blockage was 100% and they ballooned it and got it open but he's still going to have to have a procedure we need God to touch him because uh, the calcification there on the, in that artery or whatever is pretty thick. So we need God to touch him and uh, to, to finish this miracle. God already did it by saving him, but, and he's all right. He's stable and good and talking and happy, and he's cutting up last night. But I want God to complete the miracle and that he's back in the house of God. God bless you, Sunday school. You're dismissed. <clears throat>
Sister Lexi, stay with me today. I'm going to read the text. Keep it up there for me. And then when I switch over to Luke, keep it up. Keep them all up there for me today. Don't let the screen go black on me. Because I'm going to be pulling from, from quite a few of the Lord's willing. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Starting with verse 7. Hebrews 5 and 7. Are you glad you came to church today? What a beautiful crowd. You know, when the weather's good, it just makes you want to get out. Thank God for some pretty weather and cool. Hebrews 5 and 7. Who in the days of his flesh, and this is speaking of Jesus, priesthood of Christ. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he feared. Verse 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. Sister Lexi, I'm going to turn to Luke, but I want you to go back to 5 and 7 when I'm done with Luke. Luke 17 and 11, very familiar passage of scripture. Uh, one of the accounts of uh, this leper, there's other accounts of, of the lepers, Mark, uh, I think, 5 and Matthew, and uh, have, have accounts of it. Uh, but this one is a very unique story, uh, but we've heard it before. 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he can pass through the midst of Samaria. Galilee, he entered into a certain village. There met he ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go shew yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Very important you catch that. They were just cleansed. Leprosy had the ability to take away digits, fingers, eyes, nose, ears, on and so forth. So they were cleansed. But they were not restored. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Just tell him I'll call him back after a while. We we kind of got a little something going on right now. But I promise you, if it's supper or lunch, I won't be late if you just let me know. He said, go show yourself to the priest. They were cleansed, and one of them healed, turned back, gave glory, fell on his face, his feet, fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith made thee whole. Went from cleanse to, to whole. Uh, again, I say a familiar passage of scripture, but I feel the Lord has, has quickened something to my spirit that will help somebody uh, understand uh, suffering, suffering today. Uh, for lack of, of just a fancy title, uh, I just uh, titled it, and you can title what you want, but a teacher called suffering a teacher called suffering if you would lift your hands with me and let's ask God to talk to us today Jesus 
I'm just a man under the commission of your spirit and your will. I'm asking you today to help me deliver your word as you gave it. Help me to remember and, and come together in your spirit what you're wanting here today. Let it be a blessing, a help, a strength. I bind any doubt, unbelief, any witchcraft that would try to oppose your word today. Let there be liberty in the spirit and there be a, a growth, a building in the people of God today. I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Hebrews 5 and 7. Uh, you know, there is, and I want to qualify this term here, suffering. Uh, we, we, by all means, are not under uh, the persecution of the early church uh, as we, we know they went through. Uh, we, we're not going through what they went through. They were literally fearing for a knock at the door and, and the Roman guards to come and take them away and uh, get them to denounce Jesus Christ as, as their Savior and, and this new uh, religion called Christianity that had come uh, to light in the book of Acts, the early church. These people had been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and it's no wonder that persecution came against them very quickly. Well, this is not uh, what we're facing today, but there is an element of suffering that you and I are facing in other areas. You can't go very far without talking to someone uh, that has been through situations and circumstances that were out of their control. Uh, whether it be from a broken home, a broken marriage, a broken family, uh, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, uh, whether it be poverty. I mean, so many things uh, could, could cause us to look at this in a different way of suffering that uh, even people, even under the sound of my voice, uh, have experienced addictions, whether it be alcohol. Maybe it's not you here today, but you've got a loved one, a son, a daughter, a mom, a dad, a family member, a grandma, grandpa, somebody bound by alcohol, bound by drug addiction, bound by nicotine, bound by pornography, bound by some sexual sin or perversion. There, you can't go very far without finding somebody that is going through this and the, the term of it is, is here we are trying to do everything we can but yet we're suffering because of the loss. We're suffering because of uh, a family member or a friend or someone that we love so dear that is struggling or bring it better to us. We're suffering in our body. We're suffering in our physical body. We're suffering in our, our current marriage. We're suffering in areas of life. And, and again, I'm trying to define suffering. It means to vex, to be troubled about. I don't think that there would be anybody here exempt, no matter how old or young you are, that there's something troubling you and I. If they're not, then we're living a very self-centered, narcissistic, arrogant life. Because there's nobody that you and I cannot touch, whether it be a member of this church or outside, that is not going through something that causes me and your spirit to be troubled, vexed, suffering. I'm heavy. I hear the news of a certain saint of God going through something that, that, that I just I hate to hear. It. I become heavy in my heart and in my spirit. And then there's others. Again, it'd be the physical 
the body that they, they may be going through. Let's, let's look at this story here with, with the leper here in, in a moment. But, but I want to set the terms with, with Jesus. This verse here in verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh. First of all, you've got to look at this element about Jesus Christ. This was speaking of the man, Jesus Christ. He was fully God and he was fully man. He, he had both components. He was just as much human as you and I, but yet in him was the fullness of the Godhead that dwelt bodily. But the writer here of Hebrews is very specific in his description when he says the days of his flesh. Because he's trying to get you and I to understand and wanting us to get the buy-in of him in his humanity when he says days. This totally refutes any mindset that says there is an eternal son. Jesus did not exist before time ever began as a person in the heavenlies. There was no God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and all three of them sat up there around a throne. It don't exist. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to let us know his days of flesh. There is a, 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 a certain understanding when you say days. It denotes a beginning in time and an ending in time. A day. And he don't stop there because he begins to relate to that humanity. He offered prayers. He, in his humanity, he cried. What was he going through? He was going through suffering at Gethsemane. There was a struggle. There was a battle in his flesh. There was a war within his humanity. He was human just like you and I. He had a will just like you and I. He had feelings just like you and I. And he came for one reason in the flesh. Not to confuse us and cause us to begin to question pluralities in a Godhead. He came as one God manifested in the flesh for one reason. That he could identify for you and I suffering. He came that you and I could go to him and say, you know how I feel. You understand. I know how you feel, child of God. He came in the flesh, the Bible said, to fulfill all righteousness. That's why he was baptized by John. He had no sin. There was no reason for him to be baptized. But he was baptized to fulfill the righteousness as an elder brother to you and I to say, this is the path you've got to follow. But in the path that you're following, in the walk that you're walking, you're in flesh just like me. And I understand what it's like to be troubled. I understand what it's like to be vexed in my heart. I understand what it's like to be suffering in yourself. He's saying, I get it. Next verse. But why does suffering have to come? What's the purpose of suffering? Why couldn't it just be a perfect utopia? Why couldn't it be like the garden? Blame Adam, he messed it up. Why couldn't it just be a picture perfect world? Why do I have to suffer with things that I cannot control. 
There's a reason that God allows things in me in your life that you cannot control. And for people that are control mongols, you'll be on medication before long. Unless you and I learn I'm going through suffering for one reason. I'm learning something that I cannot see. I'm learning something about God that I cannot see. I'm learning something about him. Instead of taking the the mindset of woe is me and why all these problems are. What's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. Why don't we look at it from a different perspective? Because Jesus went through suffering that he might learn obedience. The best thing that could ever come to me in your life is us to understand there's a teacher called suffering and when it comes into your life it's not there to destroy you the season's gonna end the sun's gonna come up but let the teacher teach you every lesson he can in the season Jesus says though he were a son and right there throws people into a person then here's my here's the question I ask for a Trinitarian doctrine. If he was an eternal son, if he was an eternal son, somebody hear me right now. I'm not just always trying to oppose, I'm trying to declare truth. And there's something in this area don't want me to say what I'm about to say. Because as long as it can keep people in false doctrine and a veil over their eyes to think that there's a multiplicity of gods, you just divided the power of God. And therefore, it'll keep the people weak, anemic, and sick. But if I can ever learn, here, O Israel, there's one, and in him rests the fullness of God. Oh, I didn't get all the amens I wanted, but that's okay. Then I'm going to pose the question to somebody today and this ain't on my notes but it preaches real good and I feel it so I'm going to say it if he was an eternal son like the Trinitarian doctrine says and he's sitting over there with God the Father God the Son and they all existed before time ever began which is what the Trinitarian doctrine says it says they're co-equal co-eternal and co-existent that's the creed the dogma of Trinity Then I ask you a question today. How do you explain that verse? I'd ask any, I don't care who they are. I'd ask them the question. And they should be able to give me the answer. But they cannot. Because here's the question. If he's eternal, then how can he learn anything? If he's eternal and he's God. See, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. You can't have both ways. Either he's all God or he's not. And if he's eternal, then how could he ever learn? Because as eternal God, he knows everything, the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Jesus even said it. I am. And when he did, they fell on their back. He was saying, I am that I am. I'm the declaration of God. That cloud over the tabernacle, I am the fulfillment of that. I'm not Jehovah Junior. I'm not the person of seven gods, ten gods, three gods. There ain't multiplicity of persons. There's one body, and his name is Jesus. If somebody would get that revelation today, your whole world would change. 
I'm not asking you to join a church. Matter of fact, people quit church over that kind of doctrine. But here's my question. How do, you evade, how do you get rid of the word? I've taught Bible studies like that. When I pointed it to them and said, here's what the word says. And they go, oh, but I can't believe that because mama, di- mama don't believe that. My daddy don't believe that. Well, that's not how I was taught. Can you believe? You know, Hitler was so sincere. We can be sincerely wrong. I can be sincerely wrong. I'm not so arrogant to think, brother, if I know that I've got all truth, but I do have an elemental truth with this, that the fullness of God dwelt in him bodily flesh. And Jesus is trying to show us through revelation of the writer. Though he was a son begotten in the beginning days, he started at a certain time. Now the spirit in him was all God. But there was a beginning of his flesh. That's what makes him non-eternal. He was flesh. He was human. And he suffered. But in his suffering, he learned obedience. In his flesh, Brother Kyle, he had to learn that when suffering comes to me, It's not there to destroy me. It's not there to make me quit. When things come into your life, it's not that God is playing favorites and he don't let this one suffer, but he's going to make this one suffer. Suffering comes to all man. If it came to Jesus Christ in the flesh and he had to wrestle with his flesh at Gethsemane, then it's going to come to you and I. A battle over my will. A battle over whether I should go forward or I should stop. Should I just sit back and just go to church and let it just kind of be easy peasy or do I go to church because I need to know everything I can about God to be saved folks the coming of the Lord is at hand just in this last few weeks two weeks I've had more people call me Brother Benoit what in the world Israel it's sad that it takes a global shift To get people to realize everything they've been hearing since a kid. The coming of the Lord, Brother Darrell, is finally now upon us. But it takes a suffering in fear. Suffering in lack of faith. Suffering in concern. Suffering in all of these arenas. That's why I've been such an advocate and I've said it's got to get worse for God to come. And if it means us suffering... To get us to learn obedience, Brother Darrell. I'm not advocating God's up there with a whip and he's getting glory out of, out of causing you and I to suffer. That's not what I'm teaching here today. But I'm teaching this component. Suffering is going to come to all of us. It's a teacher. And if I tune my ear into what suffering is saying, I'm telling you, you're going to learn a whole lot about God in the midst of that suffering. I know people that are saying, I want to know God. You just signed up for the class. You're about to enter into a class of suffering and it's not for you and I to give up or throw in the towel or look at living for God as some bleak, miserable woe is me existence but I can look with my head lifted it don't matter though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death God is with me I will fear no evil am I preaching to anybody today? I'm preaching to myself. Everybody look at me. I'm old. They look at me and they go, oh, 
Brother Darrell, they say, oh, Brother Benoit, you, you got it all together. You know, you, you got this and this and this. They don't know the price I paid. And furthermore, they're not going to know because the Bible says enter into that closet of prayer in secret. Pray and fast in secret. And here's what he said. If you'll do this in secret, I'm going to reward you openly. If you'll go to him in this time of suffering and say, God, I'm going to shut the door to my prayer room. I'm going to put my phone outside. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to turn the news off. And I'm going to say, okay, God, this is about me and you. I need you to help me today, God. I'm going through through something I don't understand. I'm battling something in my mind and my emotions that I don't understand. I've been praying for healing and healing ain't come. I don't understand. But through it all, suffering is going to teach me something that I, if we can ever look at it from that side, suffering ain't so bad. But instead, it's a woe is me mentality. I've said it before, our suffering becomes our identity. That's why sometimes suffering don't leave, it stays. Because that now becomes the identity instead of God saying who our identity is. See, he sees you healed. He sees your mind being made whole. But you keep saying you're crazy, you're going to be crazy. You keep saying you're going to be sick, you're going to be sick. Out of the mouth proceed the, the, the things of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. If I keep speaking, the suffering's gonna take me out. The suffering's gonna take you out. And you hear this preacher, it was never meant by the will of God for it to take you out. The one purpose of suffering is that I learn. I wanna learn how to love him. I wanna learn how to please him. I wanna learn how to walk close to him. I wanna learn how to be a better Christian. I wanna learn Learn of him. But the hard part, Ceciliana, it's hard when things ain't going right. It's hard when things are just really kind of. See, but here's what you, I want you to see in this. Learn, it means in the Greek process. See, for me, that's good news. That means God ain't gave up. Now, I don't know who your English teacher was in school, but she didn't like me. And she gave up on me. And my math teacher, too. <laughs> and thank God for a mom and daddy that paid for a tutor to get this boy out of high school. But I made it. <laughs> I'd still say, man, recess was the best class. <laughs> but she gave up, brother. Carol, my math teacher and my English, she gave up on me, Mom. Remember that old battle axe? She wouldn't help me. I'd go to her, just like you told me. Please help me, teacher. Nope, go back and read the book. I taught the lesson. I got to pray through over her. See, I ain't perfect. Everybody think I'm perfect. You ain't either. You got a, probably a battle axe in your day too. I love her, but I don't mean I like her. And she wouldn't help me, Mom. She wouldn't help me. See, because I was in a process of learning the algorithms. I was in the process of learning algebra. 
I wouldn't like her. See, she was a college graduate, PhD, super brainiac. See, she went through the process and she learned. I was in the process and I didn't and I needed help. You know what that scripture tells me and you? Jesus ain't no battle axe. And he ain't going to give up on you. As long as you let suffering have its process in you. Now you say, what's the process? It's not for me to learn algorithms and trigonometry and geometry and all that stuff that ain't good for nothing now. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Claudia. I got an amen from her. Why did we learn all that stuff? Come on, Brother Charlie, it weren't worth nothing. You ain't never put a triangle on no engine. You just change the spark plug. We just do it. <laughs> you can have it, Dylan. You're an engineer, but not for me. I ain't no engineer. <laughs> but you see, here's what he tells me. If I stay in the process, why does he want me to learn? Here's why. The word obedience comes from a Greek word, hupo, hypo, multiple. But here's what it means. Come under. So here's what he's telling me. My flesh don't want to come under nothing it can't control. Come on, somebody stay with me. I'm fixing, I'm, 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 I'm doing good. I'm going to buy my own tape today. I feel this. God's talking to me. I mean, I'm going through some things in my own heart and mind and things I'm feeling. And he's wakening to it saying, Suffering can teach you things that you can't get out of Bible school. You can't get out of McNeese. You only get it. Why? And I kept saying, why? He said, because flesh don't want to come under nothing that it can't control. It wants to control the environment. Come on, holidays are coming up on us and they ain't nothing more nerving than all them kids coming to your house and wrecking your house. Can I get an amen from a mama, a daddy, a grandma? Oh, there it is, Sister Debbie. I got an amen from you. They're going to destroy the place. They're going to be cranberry stuff on the floor. The place is wrecked. And for somebody that likes order in their house and the porcelain dolls or the uh, uh, figures and all these things that are precious, one gets broken and you're worth, why? Because you know you can't control them heathens. You do your best as grandma and grandpa, but they're everywhere. And for somebody that likes to keep order, when you can't control it, it becomes a little nerving. Okay, now I'm going to come right down where we are. When you get a sickness in your body and you can't control it, it's unnerving. When your son and daughter makes decisions that are not in God's kingdom or economy and you know it's going to cost them, it's unnerving. When your spouse or marriage goes through something that you thought it should, it's unnerving. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to correct. And suffering walks in the door and says, this class has come to order. Now we can fuss and cuss and get mad and get angry at suffering. And here's what many do. I'll be honest. We're going to be in two groups. One gets mad at God. And here's what they do. I'm just not going to live for him. 
If that's the kind of God you're preaching to me, he lets sickness, God tempts no man. But God does step back because there's an area of our life that's not obedient. And he will step back that the teacher of suffering can step in and say, I'm going to teach you now. This little area of disobedience is going to cost your kids. It's going to cost your family. It's going to cost this church. So what does he do? He lets a little suffering come to somebody. He lets a little vexing and some troubling come to your marriage, your home, and your family. Why? Not to destroy you, but that suffering might teach you and I God is really for us and if we're going to stay in covenant with him and get the blessing of the covenant I've got to stay in obedience to him is this making sense this is how it came to me so he said you don't want to come under it because you can't control it so I'm going to help you out it's like Jacob wrestling with the angel there was a heavenly declaration, there was a visible manifestation, and there was a physical alteration. The sinew of his thigh shrunk, changed. Flesh shrunk. Only a scriptural account you will ever find that the flesh shrunk. It gives somebody like me hope. Because I can put it on the altar day in and day out. But you need to remember, I'm a living sacrifice. I'm like popcorn. As soon as I get on the fire and it gets a little bit hot, I'm getting off the altar because it's too uncomfortable. Well, then what's my next antidote? I need an encounter with God that he would shrink what's trying to control me. God says, okay, I got the antidote. I'm going to let a little suffering come. I'm going to let a sickness come. I'm going to let a little financial trouble come. But it's not for you and I to give up and throw in in the towel it's for us to lift our head and declare if God be for me nothing can come against me it can't not destroy you yeah. it can't destroy you unless you let it and I gotta come out from under myself I ain't got time to qualify come back I'll teach it on another day kingdoms are at war and that's what this is about. Your kingdom or God's kingdom. And to settle the conflict, God knows you and I cannot do it in ourself. Because of our flesh. When I say flesh, let me define it. Your will. Your emotions. Your mind. Your, what drives you. And he says, I'll tell you what. He learned the process. By coming under Obedience by suffering. The suffering brought him under the control of the kingdom and not his control. Does that all make sense? Okay, now, let's go to the leprosy. And this is what the Lord gave me. I've preached this message. I mean, everywhere I've gone, I've preached it. I love this message. Probably one of my favorite messages. Here's why. Because you get leprosy, there wasn't no medication to fix that. Leprosy in the Bible many times denoted sin. Isaiah 1, you can put it there, you don't have to, but I want to quickly go back to that. I don't want to lose that. Isaiah 1, I think it's verse 5 and 6, or 4, 5 and 6. Here's what he did in Isaiah. He said, he compared leprosy to the sin of the people. And what he's saying is because of sin, 
your body. He used leprosy to compare what had happened by Jacob and sin. He said, now your body is putrid and it's all messed up. And, and he was calling it, it's leprosy. So we have a very clear understanding that in the Bible, when there is physical leprosy, but many times leprosy is denoting or talking about sin. Just like leaven bread and unleavened bread. It's true, it's real, leaven or unleavened, yeast or no yeast, but it's also denoting sin as well. So we know leprosy denotes this. So here you've got these guys. I want to take this story into a spiritual significance and symbolism. Here you've got ten lepers that are suffering. They're going through something that, I mean, Lord only knows. Again, the description, I'm saving time here, but you lose your eyes, you lose your nose, you lose your fingers, you lose feet. Now, here's what you got to remember. Leprosy is contagious and it's hereditary. I want that to really sink in. Because many times Jesus alludes to it as sin. This is where I say things that if your mom and daddy fought some crazy stuff and didn't conquer it, you're going to face some of those things possibly. Familiar spirits. That's why I come to these young couples and I say it so strongly. You've got to conquer this because if you don't, your kids are going to face things. Somebody got to stand in the gap and plead the blood that this thing stops. The generations, and this even said leprosy can go as long as four and five generations hereditarily. But today I want to talk about contagious. And you got 10 lepers, sick, suffering in their body. The Bible does not say what they've lost. Doesn't say how much they've lost. It just says Jesus went to a certain no-name village. Not even on the map. But in heaven's geographical topography, it fit. Because there was somebody there that needed to understand suffering. So, next verse, he shows up, he comes to the city, he gets there, they lifted their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy which is the cry of anybody that has a God consciousness. What's the first thing we do when we suffer? Oh, God, help me. Right when that wreck's about to happen and you veer, oh, God, help me. Right when you're about to go through something or something almost happened, God, help me. It's the first thing we all say. But you need to hear me. That's not the end that he has for you and I. And oh, God, save me. It's not going to get you all the way through suffering. It may help. It may get heaven's attention. And it obviously did. It got his attention. Next verse. And when he saw him, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Jesus didn't ask their pedigree. He didn't ask anything. He didn't, nothing. He just said, go because the law said, the law said you had to go to the high priest. He had to inspect you. And the high priest would then determine whether the leprosy had stopped. Now I'm, trying, I'm going slow because I want you to listen. Not shout right now. Just listen. And this is what God does for you and I. When the storm starts and we're suffering. And there may be a leper spot on us. And we don't even know it's there. You ever get a bump on your back and you can't see it? 
You go trying to look in the mirror. We got things on us we don't even know is there, Brother Darrell. I say to me as the preacher, I got stuff on my back that I can't even see. I see this, but what about the things in me that I don't see? And if we're, and I'm going to be real pointed here, I don't mean this unkind or disrespectful, but are we so self-righteous that we don't think we have nothing? I'm the preacher up here saying, I got bumps on my back and I can't even see them, but I know they're there, Brother Daryl. I've got imperfections. I've got things in my heart, my mind. I've got to every day bring it to an altar. And it's not going to get any easier as the days come to a close. He said, go to the priest, let him inspect it. Why? That the leprosy stopped. Now, here's the symbolism. When you're going through suffering, and I'm trying, it was a teacher sent to teach me obedience. Watch. I come under it, and I ask God the first thing, Lord, forgive me. Is there anything in me that's not pleasing to you, Lord? See, and here's what happens. Immediately, the blood's applied. And I'm cleansed. Y'all with me? I'm cleansed. Right then, I can stand, Brother Kyle. When the suffering starts, the first thing I do is I turn to him and go, okay, God, is this storm and this suffering because of something I did? If it is, I'm asking you to show me and forgive me. It's kind of like my old uncle, her uncle Dennis taught us. Pastors in New Caney, Houston, Texas did. He's retired now. He taught me this years ago when I was going through that car wreck. He said, Scott, listen to me. He said, when you go through a process in the things of God's spiritual formation, he said, ask God, what are you doing in this situation? Show me, God, from an humble heart, if you would be gracious to show me what are you trying to accomplish in me? Here's why, Mike. Here's why. He said, because if I can learn or I can have a clue of what God's trying to do in me, I can better conform and work with him. Come on, think about it, folks. Let's go back to the title of this message. Suffering is a teacher. Is there have been times when you were in class and you didn't like the lesson that, that was coming across? I had many of them I didn't like. I told you that already. But yet if I stuck and stuck through it and I worked through it, I stayed in the process. I learned some things so these lepers now are cleansed the blood of Jesus cleanses us Mike totally I can turn him and say God if I've done anything show me what you're doing in the process that I work with you and not against you God that I'm pleasing to you that if you let this trouble come to me don't let me abort it because if I do, I'm going to miss it. And I'm going to have to go back to class again. I'm going to be 18 and in the first grade again. <sighs> Come on, somebody. Spiritual is the same way. We can be 16, 17 years old and still Ned, first grade reader. And God's saying, no, I called you to something more. I've got greater things I want to show you. I believe in you. I trust you. You're my child. You're my creation. If we could ever see how God sees us and God wants to help us and bring us to a higher place, he can help you through that marriage. He can help you through that trouble. He can help you in that physical infirmity. He can help you in that financial crisis and that business that's not working out. Don't let the suffering be there to teach but like I did I got mad at the teacher so he's cleansed he goes away he shows himself to the priest 
Next verse, sister. Next see. And one of them turned back and glorified God. Next verse. Fell down on his face, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Next verse. And Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Next verse. Are they not found to return to give God glory? Worship. Watch me. They were more interested in going tell their testimony than being a worshiper. And we got more people ready to tell their testimony and they're not true worshipers. Go tell your testimony to everybody. And God's saying, you don't understand. It ain't about your testimony. It's about are you a worshiper. Out of worship flows that testimony. We got it sometimes inverted. And that's why people don't respond to our testimony. Uh, another day. Next verse. And he said, arise, go thy way, thy faith. There it is. Now here's the picture. And I'm closing. Musicians, get ready. Ten lepers. They came. Jesus cleansed them. Symbolically, it's what the blood does for you and I when we repent of our sins. God, forgive me of my sins. The blood begins to be. And it can't just stop there. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Sins are not remitted until I repent and I go down in that water in Jesus. That's the Bible. That's not a Pentecostal doctrine. That's a Bible doctrine. That's what the early church did. And anything that opposes that. So once my sins are remitted, I'm cleansed. But I'm not whole. What has sin taken from me that I don't even know? And here's what came to me in prayer earlier this week. This little fella turned. Ten ran. One came back to Jesus and began to worship him. Didn't care about testimony. Worship Jesus. I wonder if, I can't prove it in scripture. All I can prove you is, is leprosy is contagious and I can tell you the stories of people. Here it is. How many of us got too close to leprosy and sin by our own fault? I've been asking God, I'm telling you for months on end, why did that one leper turn back? Where were the other nine, Jesus? There you are, master. All of these, why didn't they all turn back? And I felt the Lord impress on me, Brother Daryl. He was living with his mistake of getting too close to something he shouldn't have. He was living with a mistake of, I never should have started running with those people. I never should have started, I should have never got close enough to those that had leprosy. I shouldn't, it's all typifying sin. I never should have started running with them. And because I ran with them, I got infected with a disease. And what made him turn around, Brother Forrest Fontenot, was he realized I did this to myself. And one of the hardest things of suffering that any of us will ever go through is the suffering of regret. I married the wrong person. I shouldn't have had kids. I don't say nothing right now. Hold it, Sister Markendale. Because right now, Somebody needs to understand 
God's not against you. And he knows where you are in the decisions you made in your yesterdays. But if somehow in the midst of it all, you might have been redeemed and washed by the blood, if you could turn right now and say, I'm going to be a worshiper. Everything that sin has taken away, everything that you've lost by your days, everything that you've lost by your mistake, everything that you've lost by bad decisions, I'm telling you, Jesus is here today to make you whole. You know the difference between cleansed and whole? Cleanse is you're clean, but you're still missing an eye. You're still missing a nose. You're still missing a finger. You're still missing the things that the disease took away. Is there anybody here other than this preacher? Brother Joey, I made some mistakes living in the world. And sin took it away. I've been cleansed. I've repented but I'm still missing a finger. And I'm trying to live for God, but I'm missing an arm. I'm missing a foot. I I can't run like I want to run. I see them leaping for joy, and I can't do it because I lost an ankle because of mistake. But now watch me. He turned and worshiped him. Here's the kicker. He that's going to worship him in spirit and truth. Here's the only way God's going to ever make your family back whole again is you got to get honest. You made the mistake. He said you got to worship in spirit and truth. That's little t and little s. That's honesty. A true what defines a true worshipper is this. Definition clear is someone that comes before God and says, "God, I'm a sinner. I made a." choice but I tell you what I'm going to worship you in my bad choice I'm going to work I'm going to get honest and if we'll get honest I see some fingers growing back I see some arms growing back I see some family members growing back I see some sons and daughters walking in the back door for you and for me not good enough when the suffering comes for me just to say God forgive me for what I've done I need God to add back what I lost we've lost our joy we've lost our peace we've lost our hope we've lost our ability to believe I know Pentecostals have been in church 50 years they've lost their ability to believe and it shows by their lack of praise and worship they're not worshiping there's no connection there in the eye it's just kind of We've lost that worship. And here's what I feel the Holy Ghost is trying to say. We may have made mistakes. We may have fallen short. But even in that, God is merciful. And he's reaching for somebody this morning to say, you might not be having everything you need. That son and daughter might not be on that pew. But if you'll become a worshiper, if you'll turn back to him and say, yeah, I got a little too close. Maybe I should have worshiped when I... Romans, you fast there, good, uh, Lexi, good, not. Romans 4, 24 and 25. It says, for these offenses. His blood takes care of these offenses. It's in verse 25 of chapter 4 of Romans. And here's what it means. Offenses mean this. Sidesteps, purposeful sin. (laughs) I should have got 15 shouts right there. Now's the time, Sister Marcatel. Let's shout. Here's why. Because it means when I made the sin 
on purpose. And ain't nobody under the sound of my voice can say you ain't done it on purpose. We've all fall short, preacher included. I did it on purpose. But the blood takes care of the ones I didn't mean to do it, and it takes care of the ones I did on purpose. I'm not giving you an eye license to sin. I'm trying to breathe a way of hope in your spirit today that even when you did it on purpose, he said my blood takes care of that. It don't matter who you are, where you are, what your pedigree is, how good you think you are. The blood takes care of it all. Stand with me. And he said, you're whole. You're whole. Suffering could have just stayed and I'm cleansed. But if we'll let suffering be the teacher, I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost today. We've lost things that were dear to our heart. Come on, Daddy. You weren't a good dad. The enemy beat you up day in and day out. I should have brought my kids to church more. I should have let them get, should have never let them get involved in all them worldly amusements. And you beat yourself up over and over again. God's offering you something today that literally, if he did it for, I wonder what that fella did. Go to the next verse, Sister Lexi, verse 20. about the kingdom and what he said is, is listen to me when he was the man of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God could come he answered them and said the kingdom of God cometh not preservation next verse here's what he says neither shall it say here nor there for behold it's within you here's what he's trying to say in my kingdom there's restoration there's wholeness there's remind, amending of what's broken and God allows the suffering to come physically, emotionally, mentally, all these things for one reason, that I could learn obedience in an area that I didn't know I was lacking. And when I do, I turn back to Him and begin to worship Him. Whether it's my fault and I did it on purpose or I did it on accident, if I'll turn back to him and worship him in spirit and truth. Here's another scripture for you. Seek first the of God and what? All things shall be added. If you're missing an arm, if you're missing a lost son and daughter, if you're missing something in your mind today, he said, seek me and I'll add. This leper proved when you seek me, and don't worry about your testimony. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Violate everything your brain is saying to do. Get back and populate. Who cares? Worship Him. If you'll worship Him with all of your heart, I see things coming back being added to people. Listen, this message is for this preacher. I'm not just kidding. I might listen to my own tape and go back and say, God, I need you to tell me again. When sin and the enemy reminds me of my mistake, I'm going to lift my hands and worship Him and let suffering be my teacher. Lift your hands all across this building. Come on, lift your voice with that right now. There's suffering in this building. 
There's problems in this building that don't take the gifts of the Spirit. There's marital trouble in this building. There's lost sons and daughters that are connected to this building. And you and I are suffering and being troubled. I'm telling you, if we'll become a worshiper and let the suffering turn us into a worshiper, God's going to add your family back today. Grab the hand to the person next to you. Come on, I invite all the way to the back to the front. Come to this altar with me as a family. Let's pray together. God's wanting to add something to the people of God today. The enemy's told you it'll never change. It'll never get any better. I'm here to tell you, yes, we may be a sinner, but we got an antidote. That's the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood today. By the authority of the name of Jesus. Come on, let him add to you. The peace and hope and healing. Sanctity of marriage and home. He can repair your marriage and your family. Let the suffering have a perfect work. Now, there's people here today need a touch from God. 